Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're continuing taking a look at that 400 years of silence, or not so silence, between Malachi and the Gospels. This week, we're taking a look at all of the different groups that started to form because the people of Israel didn't listen to the message of Malachi and the message of the prophets. And we're going to see how it leads right in to Jesus' ministry and gives us a much broader context of how the Gospels are shaped because of what happened historically. I'm excited for today. I hope you are as well. Let's dive in. Today is... We finish up looking at those 400 years of not-so-silence. Uh, we're going to take a look at some important things that are happening. And while last week we took a look at the historical events, the rulers, and everyone who was uh, key players over those 400 years, today we're going to uh, take a look at where we get our sources from. We don't have anything biblical happening in those 400 years, so we ask ourselves, where are we getting that information from? Uh, what are some key authors and books and groups of people that have uh, a big influence in writing during this time? And then we're going to take a little bit of time and take a look at some of those key players in temple life, in religious life, uh, leading into Jesus' ministry. And we're talking about what's happening in temple worship, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, uh, Essenes, and and Zealots are, are kind of the main ones that we'll look at. And all of those people are mentioned by Jesus uh, or run into conflict with Jesus at different times. So, so as we take a look at this, just briefly brushing up on, on last week and, and following up on last week, we understand that there were several rulers over this time, uh, and it started with Persia as Israel was going back home, and Persia let the people go home and reestablish themselves in the land. Then they were followed by Greece, uh, which had a great contribution, uh, which was the language. And we see how that works out even uh, in a book that becomes uh, very important in New Testament history in a, in a second here. Uh, and then, then we saw that there's this period of independence when they rule over themselves. And the Maccabean Rebellion, uh, as it's known by historians, uh, referred to what establishes Jewish rulers in the land, and they rule up to about 63 B.C., but like anything, there's always conflict. And as we finished up last time, we saw that there were two brothers, two Maccabean rulers who were arguing with each other, and they invited Rome to come settle their conflict. And Rome, and Rome settles it by simply just taking over Israel. <laughs> and they rule over the land from about 63 BC to 135 uh, AD. It's a very dynamic time period uh, of those 400 years. And like I said last week, 400 years of silence, that title doesn't really reflect what was going on during that time. Now, we have several different uh, writings that we can see that are not biblical writings, but lead us to a better understanding of history. And we use this, and we have used this in understanding uh, the time in which Malachi took place by using some Persian records. 
Uh, and and so what we're doing here is called historiography. When we look at extra biblical books and uh, understanding writings from different cultures, uh, and the first book that we talk about is one that you've probably heard before, which is the Apocrypha, which literally means hidden things. These were kind of viewed as somewhat mysterious books. Uh, really, there's nothing hidden in them that you would think of in that regard, and they were never, even in their own time, seen as scripture. In fact, rabbis tended to to view them as the outside books, uh, and, and that's how they viewed it. So you can see that even in the context, they were not viewed as a part of Hebrew scripture. But that doesn't mean that they're not important. They teach us a lot about the history, and they show us a lot about the culture of that time. They are uh, well worth paying attention to, at least in in summarizing what's going on in a different historical period. There's different biblical encyclopedias, uh, which which always reference uh, this. And again, this is part of historiography. Uh, the second part that we see uh, uh, is a, a word that is one that hopefully doesn't show up on on any spelling test anytime uh, soon, which is the Pseudepigrapha. Basically, uh, this is a group of about 60 or so writings from various different authors. And some of the books have names that reflect who authored them, but the truth is they don't really know. Mostly the people named in uh, in those uh, things were not the authors at all. But what you have to do is look into the history. And it explains a lot about uh, into commerce, uh, into uh, relationships, of, uh, diplomatic relationships at the time. And we can see a lot of what was going on in history. Now, the third one is something that you have probably heard, uh, and it was became a very famous archaeological discovery half a decade ago, or over half a decade ago, which was the Dead Sea Scrolls. And and the Dead Sea Scrolls were, as by title, found down in the Dead Sea. They were um, by a group of Essenes, which we'll also talk about in just a moment. But these people were kind of a separate, separatist group during the Roman rule. And they were dedicated to writing and uh, and duplicating Old Testament scripture. So more people had uh, the Hebrew Bible. Uh, and so we'll take a look at that. Those were the Essenes, and, and many think that that's the area where John the Baptist came from, located in the wilderness, out a little ways outside where Jericho is, again, on the Dead Sea. Uh, and we'll talk about this, but this is where we're getting our information from. We also have Josephus, as I mentioned last time, who was one of the great uh, historians. He was Jewish, but he wrote for the Roman Empire, and so you've got a pretty neutral historical writing that happens with Josephus and, and explains a lot about what's going on. All of these things are very important for us to understand and and give us a picture of of the culture, of the context, of the commerce system, of the religions that were going on, and the rebellions that were going on. And so it's important that we just understand that those exist. This is where we draw our, our information from. Because again, we finish Malachi, and 400 years happen where there is no biblical writing before the Gospels take place. And so that's where we get our information from. Not biblical, but 
but very historical. And so, but, and out of that, we start to see a bit of a, a picture of what the religion was looking like at that time in Israel. Remember Malachi's message is in chapter four, he starts with, or he finishes with saying, return to me and I will return to you. Uh, call and a desperate plea by God for his people to return to him. And over that next 400 years, because they didn't return, what started as small little problems turned into much larger problems. Uh, and that's where we see Jesus come on the scene. And I want to start with with the big picture part of it first and, and take a look at what's going on in the synagogue. Uh, and and what was happening there. And I want you to see how it works and the way it was laid out. Uh, when we get to the New Testament time, and definitely in this intertestamental period as well, we begin to have a couple things going on. We have a couple groups which become very different. We have a group associated with the temple and more ceremonial aspects of Jewish life. We have groups associated in the synagogue that were much more related to traditional way of life uh, in aspects of the Jewish religion. And in fact, when you look at Jewish practice of this time, it is much more a way of life than a doctrinal thing. A lot of issues arise over way of life things rather than doctrinal things. And Jesus takes them on for some of this as he talks about ceremonial washings as a way of life and challenges them on kind of the way that they do things. And you begin to see that that what's going on here and what's going on in Jesus' ministry are very interrelated. We have these people in the temple who reflect more of ceremonial aspects of Judaism and just doing things because they say, uh, because they know they're supposed to. Uh, and and this, again, reflects Malachi and talking about inauthentic worship. And so, again, we see how this has now developed and brought its way fully into the temple, and now there are groups fully revolved around this. At the synagogue level, uh, it is way more focused on this is your way of life. This is how we live together. This is how we do things. So you begin to have this ceremony versus grassroots kind of tension. Ceremony, we're doing this because we're told to do this. And versus what's happening in the synagogue is saying, this is how we just do life together. And there's a key difference here, right? The temple is where all the ceremonies are taking place. And the synagogue is where is is very much uh, similar to just uh, what we would know more as church, where there was readings and they were explaining the the readings from the Old Testament uh, and and very much like that. Uh, and so so there's uh, two kind of things that are happening there, and out of that come uh, two different groups that we first see. One is the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees become those who lead the temple part of it. So you have a temple. And a synagogue. Now you have Sadducees and Pharisees. Sadducees become the leaders uh, in this temple setting. The Pharisees become more influential in the synagogue. And that does not mean that they're less intelligent. It doesn't mean that they're less smart. Uh, they're all very good teachers and highly respected in their culture. But the Sadducees get their respect basically from their position. And the Pharisees get their respect from their presence with the people. Now, 
you have two very different setups here. And I think you can see how there would be a little bit of tension between these two groups and also tension between each one of them and Jesus. The only time they are going to like each other, in fact, is when they discover that neither of them like Jesus. <laughs> and they're going to become allies in this, but they are not going to like each other too much after that uh, and in the years following uh, Jesus' ministry. Now, now it's important to understand this because um, where they run into issues with Jesus is the Sadducees being those people who want the ceremony. Jesus is doing things differently. And he's saying and challenging them on, on really, are they doing this for God? Or are they doing this for themselves? Is there any relational part of this between God and themselves? Uh, and are they just following rules? Paul follows this up in Romans, in fact, uh, and and spends a large amount of time in Romans dedicated to this. And so that's where they run into problems with Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, because a lot of, of where they were in the synagogue, most of their respect comes from being with the people. And along comes Jesus and starts having crowds following him. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees' problem with Jesus is really one of pride. They start to see a lot of of their following move over to Jesus, and and they don't like that at all. They it's a pride thing for them, and so we see that has developed now over uh, these four hundred years. Of they've gained so much respect over this time, and now Jesus comes on, and and they start losing that. Uh, and both groups play a very pivotal role in in Jesus' ministry as he's usually working against them. A couple more groups that we have here during this time, uh, and I've mentioned it last week. One is the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin kind of got their start back in the Greek period, and they continue to be the people who ruled over the civil matters of the land. They take care of the civil law. Remember, when it comes to Jesus uh, on trial, there's always the question of where the trial should be. Does it belong with Rome? Does it belong with civil issues of the Jewish nation? And you see it again when Paul comes before Felix and Festus and Agrippa. And the question is, where does he really belong? Does he belong with Jewish civil matters or is it an issue of Rome and that the Romans should handle? So you can see how these people fit there uh, and they are are much more connected with the Sadducees on the temple side of things because they're a little higher up in the power structure of Israel. In fact, the head of the Sanhedrin is known as the high priest. So So hopefully you get a sense of how all of these groups are working. Now, on the other side of the coin here, we hear this group that we often just think of as people writing things down. Uh, And we hear about the Sanhedrin and the scribes. And and this group of scribes uh, are a group of people who are are much more committed to tradition. Uh, And while they're willing to adopt to whoever rules the land and kind of compromise to keep their role and their position of power in the land, these people or the scribes are 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 much less inclined to do that. Where, where the Sadducees and the Pharisees adapt to whoever the rulers are, the scribes do not. They are dedicated to hanging on to the Hebrew scriptures and the way of life that is described there. Uh, in, in modern Judaism, we could think of this as a, a, the 
ultra-Orthodox Jewish people uh, who are very much holding on to a specific way of life. And oftentimes they counter the Sanhedrin, which is very interesting uh, because it, it becomes a power conflict. And and they again, a lot of this has to do with pride, uh, and so uh, and so. I think for us, as we uh, take a look at these groups, we can see that a lot of their issues with Jesus were pride, because Jesus was giving a different message, delivering a new uh, something that was different, and getting a new following, and this was taking away the following from all of these other different groups. The last uh, group that I really want to talk about are the Zealots. And as their name reflects, they are extreme religious radicals that go all the way back to that time of independence in those 400 years of silence. Um, Back to when the Maccabean Revolt started, uh, and that revolt never really goes away. They're always looking to bring Israel back in some way, shape, or form. And there's always a slight rebellion going on just under the surface, uh, even in the New Testament. And there are a few in the New Testament, and the rebellion will pick up intensely with this group, and the zealots will do anything to overthrow the reality of Rome's power. They would, they want Rome gone. They want that back that time of independence. Remember, that independence went away when two Maccabeans two brothers invited Rome to settle an argument and then Rome never left for 250 years. So so there is that revolt that is constantly just kind of brewing just slightly under the surface of, of everything right through the New Testament as, as we read through it. And we see them pop up. Uh, and so uh, really in many ways they were modern or, you know, ancient religious terrorists in many ways. Um, and and it eventually leads to the conflict in 70 AD where Rome actually will destroy Jerusalem and tear down the temple and bringing an end to all of that. They say enough is enough and Rome does what Rome does and just obliterated everything. Hopefully this is giving you a bit more of an understanding that again, this is anything but years of silence. It's uh, we're filling up this time and seeing everything that's ha- that's happening here. Uh, all of these things are going to flow right into the New Testament time. And, and as you read through your Gospels and start to read it now, I don't want you to miss the fact that that Persia and Greece and that independence time and, and the Romans all brought important readings, all brought important things to Israel, whether it was language or commerce or infrastructure, but it did not bring them closer to God. And and that's kind of where now after all of these things, and they try all of these different things, and all these different nations are ruling over them, even their own, their own selves, you can see how the voice of John the Baptist, a voice calling from the wilderness, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, is all of a sudden a very different message than let's build aqueducts, let's learn the new language, let's set up a, a trading system and a commerce system. And, and, and so you can see that all of a sudden that when Jesus comes on the scene in the Gospels and John the Baptist comes on the scene, you can see why people are looking for something. And so hope 
hopefully, again, as as we finish these 400 years of silence and really and finish our Exploring Malachi series, you're able to jump in and read a bit of the Gospels and start to take a look at when you see these names of, of Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrin and scribes, and, and you hear about key players uh, of, of the Romans, of the Greeks, and when you uh, look at uh, scripture and you see the temple and you see the synagogue and realize that those are two very different things that are happening, uh, yet similar. And so there's a lot going on that plays, gives us context. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I have enjoyed it. Again, I love the history of this and understanding the context of everything. And so as we close our Exploring Malachi series, hopefully you've got a better picture of a book that we don't often read or often talk about, but we've gone a a lot deeper into it. And we've set the context, we've set the scene, and we've explored what happens when people, when the people of God don't listen to his words and to the words of the prophet. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to the next series as as we dive into what it looks like to be to be bold in every aspect of our life as we as we live life as disciples. And so I'm looking forward to that in our next sermon series. So take care. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.